On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm very honored to welcome Danny uh, Taylor to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining. So you have a lot of interesting thing. And I think especially the women listeners will be really, uh, their ears should perk up because you're a bodybuilder and you have a really great story of overcoming, uh, you know, losing weight and some things as a younger kiddo. So would you like to just kind of start from the beginning? Like I'm Danny Taylor from this and <laughs> what happened as you were growing up is I feel that kind of leads to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Danny Taylor. I am the co-owner with my husband, Giacomo, of Vegan Proteins. So we coach vegan athletes. And I'm also the co-manager of Vegan Strong, which is a group that goes and teaches people about adopting a plant-based lifestyle and staying fit and active and things like that. Um, but I was not, this was not always the case. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I grew up in a family where we just, we didn't have a lot of money and unhealthy food is very affordable. It's very cheap when you're living sort of week to week. So we ate a lot of, you know, not, not great food because that's what we could afford. And in addition to that, many of my extended family was overweight and I was overweight. Um, and I just always assumed, you know, this is my family. This is our genetics. It, it is what it is. Honestly, I didn't really worry about it. Like I, you know, accepted it pretty much for what it was. Um, didn't think anything about it but I went vegetarian when I was eight. And that was, there was an incident with a lobster. It was not great. It occurred to me, you know, chicken nuggets come from chickens. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. So um, much to my parents' dismay, I <laughs> stopped eating meat. You know, they'd still serve it to me, but I just eat around it, you know, like kids <laughs> do. Um, and I stayed vegetarian uh, from that point on, but I did eat a lot of dairy and a lot of eggs. So I was like, you know, the cheeseaholic you hear about all the time. Mm -hmm. That was me. It's not um, hard then, to be a cheeseaholic. <laughs> no, I mean, no one said it's not delicious, you know, it's <laughs> not, not great for you. <laughs> but yeah. uh, when I was 16, I was writing a research paper for my English class and I chose to do it on vegetarianism. And mm. this was back in like 2000 or so. So the internet was much smaller than mm -hmm. it is now. So I was doing my research and I stumbled across this website that talked about veganism and the connection between the dairy and egg industry and the meat industry that I already didn't want to be a part of. And vegan was not anything I had ever heard before. It had mm. never crossed my mind to not eat those things mm -hmm. <laughs> for any reason, really. But I read it and I was just like, well, I don't want to do that either. So I stopped eating dairy and eggs overnight, literally overnight. Wow. I didn't know what to eat. I just knew what I didn't want to eat anymore. And about three months later, I went for a checkup, just a regular checkup at the doctor's office. And uh, they had told me that I was down 30 pounds from the last time I was there. And I, wow. the previous visit, I was 16 years old and 210 pounds. Um, wow. And they said I was down 30 pounds. And I was like, what? I didn't even, I didn't do anything particularly healthy. I just stopped eating dairy and eggs. Um, and that was the first time ever in my life that a, a light bulb went off that, you know, I did have more control over my health and my body than I had originally thought. 
And Mm. from there, I started actually learning about nutrition, not just eating plain bagels and French fries like I was doing prior. (laughs) I started learning about fruits and vegetables that I had never had before, learning Mm. new recipes. I started going to the gym, Mm. but all I did was cardio because that's all I knew how to do. So I would just hop on a machine and do that. But I could see the weight room Mm. and I could see the strong fit ladies in the weight room. And I was like, I want to, I want to do that. Um, so at this point I was 19 and I hired a trainer and she was a wonderful lady. And she, she taught me how to lift and be safe and how to like really push. And that was awesome. But eventually she said to me, you know, if you're not willing to at least have whey protein powder or egg whites, like, I hate to tell you this kid, but the buck stops here. You're probably not going to make much more progress than this. Oh, wow. And that just infuriated me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I went home and I was determined to find a way to make this work, to stay vegan and continue to make progress with this. And I found veganbodybuilding.com, which is Robert Cheek's Mm. website. And he had a whole community there of other people trying to do the exact same thing. And the the rest is kind of history. We just all, all met and clicked and learned from each other. And eventually I went on to lose 90 pounds, compete in bodybuilding, become a bodybuilding coach. And it just, it changed my whole world from that point forward, but it's very, very different from where I initially came from. Well, you know, speaking back to where your family, did any of your family look at you and go, wow, this is amazing. I want to partake. Yeah. Not at first, (laughs) Not, not not at first at all. First when I was, I mean, they thought it was weird when I was vegetarian, (laughs) <laughs> but when I went vegan, they just about lost their minds. <laughs> my dad cried. My mother thought that I was going to die. Everybody made all the jokes you could possibly think of. Uh, one of my aunts told me that I was going to get fat because all I was going to eat was carbs now, which is a horrible thing to say to anybody, let alone an overweight 16 year old girl. So, oh my um, but over the years, um, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, like everybody, almost everybody came around to Mm. certainly not making fun of it anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. But my immediate family, all but one member is completely vegan now. Oh, that's Um, fantastic. Yeah. Did they have, I'm assuming similar um, health improvements, weight loss, any others? diabetes, anything like that? The the craziest story is actually my sister. She's a year and a half younger than me. And we were very much on the same path of our health right up until I went vegan. And then I Mm kind of went one way and she kept going in that direction for another 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, She eventually was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. She was 374 pounds at her Mm -hmm. heaviest. Um, and she, obviously all of the health complications that come with that, even at, you know, 25 years old, uh, and she was told she could no longer, like she would never be able to have kids or anything like that. Mm. She went vegan. Um, not, not, not even for health reasons, ironically, just for <laughs> ethical reasons as well. And she ended up losing 200 pounds and has two healthy, beautiful Aww. little babies. So it's the coolest story. It's my absolute favorite story because it ends with my two favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. No, that's awesome. So you, that, I think that's the really fun part, you know, when you work with people that, and they switch their diet and then they get to, you know, see their, their own ripple effects with mm-hmm. family and friends. That's it's, they become angelical about it. Evangelical for sure. I think. Yeah it's, that's pretty awesome. Oh, fantastic. And so, and then 
now let's talk a little bit about the bodybuilding because I feel like that's a really important key. I'm a lot older than you. You said like you're in high school in 20 years. Ago. I was a way out of high school. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> I had children at that point. And, uh, and so um, when you, when you speak to the bodybuilding and resistance training, which is so important for women in general and men, but you know, I'm most of my patients, I'd say three quarters of them are female majority between 30 and, you know, 70, somewhere in there. And so many things. And I try to encourage them to do resistance training where would you have someone start? Who's like, I've heard this message, but what should I do? Like, how do you coach someone into moving in that direction? Well, first for women, I'm going to talk about women specifically, Uh, just convincing women to do resistance training in the first place can be really challenging because there's this myth slash stereotype that you're going to touch a weight and turn into the Hulk. And, (laughs) you know, it, a lot of women are really, I hear it a lot. Like, Oh, yeah. I want, I want to get toned, but I don't want to get bulky. And mm-hmm. like, I, I understand that fear, but it's, it's not, it, that would never happen by accident. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people like myself who dedicate like our whole lives to trying to get bulky and it's hard, it's constant work. So it doesn't happen by accident and toned a word that most women are pretty comfortable with. That just mm-hmm. means muscle. That's, mm-hmm. that just means muscle with less body fat on it. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's the first thing. Secondly, I think just getting comfortable in a, in a gym environment can be hard. I mean, it's hard for everybody, but I think it's especially hard for women in this traditionally male dominated space, which is Mm -hmm. the weight room floor. Um, But the fact is like, nobody's, nobody's watching you. We all Mm -hmm. feel like everybody's staring at us to see every little thing that we do wrong, but people in there are so focused on what they're doing. And I've actually found that most of the weightlifting community, you know, they might look a little bit intimidating, but they are usually so psyched to see other people interested in this thing that they love, that they're some of like the kindest, most supportive people that I know. Mm. Um, So the first thing is just getting comfortable in that setting. I think hiring a trainer, I mean, that's, that's what I did. And you don't have to have a trainer forever or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But if they can just teach you how to move safely, um, Mm -hmm. because the number one, my number one rule is do not get hurt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So learning, yeah, learning how to move your body safely is really, really important. And a trainer with like three or four sessions can teach you how to do pretty much all of the major movements safely. And then you can start to add, you know, even just body weight training is Mm -hmm. resistance training. You're resisting Mm -hmm. your body weight. So you don't have to lift hundreds and hundreds of pounds to be doing resistance training, but learning the fundamentals of how to move, I do think is important. Yeah. So that's a really good thing to kind of segue into the body weight training, because especially with COVID and gyms, mm-hmm. some people still may not feel comfortable with. So are there any particular things that you people can do at home to get started? Is there particular exercises or things that, you know, plus they can hire you too, right? They can go online. I, I don't know. I'm they totally could. <laughs> okay. Okay. And yeah. so you, um, you work with someone, I'm assuming through Zoom, if they're not local to you. So I, I actually have a whole coaching platform. It's like a okay. special, unique site, but it's, you know, we give the training programs through that. People will send videos, we'll send videos back. So because mm-hmm. we have clients all over the world in different time zones, a lot mm-hmm. of times it's not like a live uh, session. It's like just communicating back and forth, but it's also a lot more than just training. It's nutrition, it's 
mindset because mm-hmm. I actually find those things are a lot trickier than just the training part. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your initial question, yes, when COVID first struck me and Giacomo, we were like frantically writing home workouts for people, everybody, wow. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because everybody's gym shut down like within a week, like one person would be like, my gym's done. And I was just like, oh my God, this is going to happen everywhere. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So if you have resistance bands, like a set of resistance bands, which are cheap, you can get a great set for like $30 or less. Something that you can use as a bench. It doesn't have to be a bench. A lot of people use their coffee tables (laughs) Um, and a pull-up bar, not necessarily to do pull-ups. I know that scares a lot of people, but just to hook the bands over to have something very strong to anchor so that you can properly train certain body parts. If you have those three things, you could train your whole body. You can resistance train your whole body regularly and still get really good results. Awesome. So the resistance bands and anything else, like would you recommend um, kettlebells or some dumbbells at home? Or do you feel like resistance bands is enough for most people? I think resistance bands is really good for most people. A lot of this comes down to budget as well. Mm. You know, this is the most budget friendly way to get the best workout you can. But if someone has a little bit more money to splurge on things, I think the next best thing somebody could get would be a set of adjustable dumbbells Mm. because there's the small, it only takes up, I don't know, maybe one and a half foot squared, but you can just move some pins and you can have five pound set of dumbbells all the way up to like a 25 pound set of dumbbells. so it takes up very little space in your house and it gives you just so much more variety and you can do quote kettlebell swings with a dumbbell if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, I just find the dumbbells to be more versatile than like kettlebells or medicine balls. So that would be my next suggestion, but yeah, people, some people got really, really elaborate with their home gyms this past year, but I would say those are the basics. <laughs> And so when you're looking at, so now let's say someone has their resistance bands and they have the um, apparatuses that are needed for anchoring and things, what type of, how many days a week would you say is ideal? Like what exercises do you start out with someone who's just looking into this building? Yeah. If someone is just getting started, um, I think three days a week of resistance training is plenty. Like you're going to get mm-hmm. great results from that for many months before you realize like, oh, I've kind of slowed down. Maybe I should add a fourth day. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody was already training like five or six days a week at the gym and then it closed down, you could keep that routine going. But I am a big fan of minimum effective dose <laughs> of all <laughs> things. Um, and that goes for resistance training too. It doesn't make sense to do five days of training, if it's going to leave you fatigued and tired, and you could get just as good or maybe even better results out of three days of training, stick with that until you can't anymore. Um, but the, the big movements that I think everybody should learn how to do, um, is a squat. I think that's the, the most important exercise. Uh, we do it all the time. We do it every time we pick something up and we see people as they get older, this is the movement that you know, they see the most struggle with getting out of chairs, getting on and off of the toilet. Like it sounds, you know, it sounds a little bit silly. These are real things that happen. Mm -hmm. So if you can practice getting good at squatting, that'll serve you well into old age. Um, I would also say a deadlift and that's deadlift sounds like a scary exercise, but essentially it's just picking something up off the floor safely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the very short version. Again, something we do 
all the time. Um, but you, most of us pick things up off the floor kind of the wrong way, which is why you know we get people with bad backs and injuries, which is why I do think it's important to learn how to do these movements properly before you start loading weight on them. Mm-hmm. But you know, every time you pick up your groceries off the floor to put them away, you're deadlifting that up off the floor. So I think that's worth doing. And then I also think that things like pull downs, like lat pull downs, where your mm-hmm. arms over your head and you're pulling the weight down. Um, push-ups are super easy and are super easy in terms of equipment, not easy to do, but uh, simple to do at home and is an important one. And then a shoulder press, being able to press something up over your head. So those are the biggest movements. And if you did those five exercises, some variation of those five exercises, you know, three days a week for maybe three sets of each of them, 10 reps, especially if you're brand new, you're going to get stronger for a long time with that. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to find that your day-to-day stuff that you do around the house gets easier, which is a huge, huge win that I think we kind of overlook when it comes to strength training life. The things you do in your day-to-day life are just just feel easier. Absolutely. So is there any other exercises like stretching or flexibility training or cardio that goes with this? Or like, let's say the lady, Mm -hmm. give you a picture, mental picture of my typical patient, you would understand where I'm going (laughs) with this. Um, But as far as, you know, like you said, you, you understood cardio, like that's where all my ladies start. They're always like, I've been running, I've been walking and nothing's happening. It's like, I need Mm -hmm. to build your metabolic furnace. Yes. And um, especially as we enter into this middle age that I'm interested going through myself. So, you know, you, you see those things like, is there any other exercises that you would say would complement, you know, the strength building and the toning? That occurred? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I could not, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I would say my clients also have a, a very large age range from like mm-hmm. 20 to 70 or so. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, all various fitness levels as well. Some people yeah. brand new, some people champion athletes, but I would say on the whole, women are doing too much cardio (laughs) Mm -hmm. and nobody likes it when I say that, but I just think on the whole, this is not true for Mm -hmm. everybody. Some people Mm -hmm. could stand to maybe do a little more cardio, but (laughs) most people, most women who are trying to get in shape, that's Mm -hmm. their number one go-to and they're, they're doing too much of it. And not only is it probably not going to get them the results that they want, it can actually burn through your muscle if you're doing Mm -hmm. too much of it, which is the opposite of what we want, especially, I think the statistic is, um, after 40 years old, we lose like 1% of our muscle mass every few Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. So you don't need, you don't want to speed that up. Mm -mm. (laughs) If anything, you want to try to prevent that with Mm -hmm. the strength training. So I don't think cardio is bad. I think we should all be doing enough cardio to stay heart healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's this saying when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem starts to look like a nail. And that's how I feel about cardio. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I guess if, if people love it, I say, keep doing it. But if people are going for a certain toned look, cardio is like 10% of mm. the equation. Um, mm. Stretching and flexibility. I don't think it's going to make anybody look more fit or more toned, but it is going to keep your body more, more mobile, more supple, less prone to injury. You're going to feel better. 
So a lot of people tend to skip this, especially my younger clients tend to just skip mm -hmm. right over this because they can get away with it. And then one day they're 35, 40 and they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, you can't skip that anymore. This is no longer optional. Do you understand? <laughs> so yeah, I think any kind of flexibility training is good something that you enjoy some people mm -hmm. love yoga classes some people prefer prefer something that's a little bit more like like intense like the foam rolling and lacrosse balling and things like mm -hmm. that um but literally like five to ten minutes a day and you can do i usually do it when i'm watching tv at the end of the night um is enough to usually keep most like aches and pains at bay but don't don't skip that if, if anytime I do start skipping it I pay for it like within a week and I'm always like you I know better than this I know better than to do this <laughs> oh my goodness yes absolutely and it doesn't get easier as we get older no. um and, you know also the weight training also can probably even help with any of the cardio activities that they're doing they may find that they run faster or walk faster or have more strength to go up hills and mm -hmm. different things um that's excellent so absolutely three days a week, some cardio, stay cardio healthy, yeah. which mm -hmm. I'm a runner. So I will, I will say I'm, I'm definitely in that class of where I did more cardio than I should have before I understand the resistance, but I've done resistance, yeah. training, but it's certainly for me, it's my Zen time. Like nobody's going to call me when I'm running. <laughs> so and that's my, that's my caveat with my clients is mm -hmm. like, listen, if you love this and it mm -hmm. does something for you mentally, I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell you to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. But if you hate this and you're doing this to punish yourself thin or something, mm -hmm. just stop because that's not getting you there. Punish um, yourself thin. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's it's, that's great. It needs to be a thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And it's really sad. I mean, so, you know, so of course, you know, that we have the fitness and the actually, because a lot of times patients will come in, they're like, you know, I've been exercising and I'm not losing weight, but they don't pay attention to what they're consuming. So, and I know that's the other side of the coin that you work with people. So where do you direct folks? Like, what should they start looking at? Is there any principles or anything that you're looking at as far as, you know, learning to get a little bit leaner, helping with the weight loss, anything in particular yeah. worked? <laughs> so the first thing is, I think when it comes to weight loss, especially it, it does, it almost doesn't matter how much you exercise. If your diet isn't right, it's not going to work. And, you know, they say you can't out exercise a bad diet. And that's, it's true. Like it's, you know, there's a lot of it, like sayings in the fitness industry. I don't necessarily agree with, but that one is true. Mm -hmm. So making sure that your diet is in line with your goals. So when it comes to nutrition with people, I, I take everybody on a very case by case basis. We really look at, you know, what they're already doing well, what they're not doing well, and where can we get stronger, um, with our, with our eating habits, but some very, very like basic right off the cuff recommendations that I would give to just about everybody is make sure you're eating enough fruits and vegetables. And that mm -hmm. sounds so simple. And that's one of the things I've found to be true about all things fitness and nutrition related is answer is usually not as like sexy as you want it to be. It's, it's pretty, they're pretty simple. It's been around for a long time, eat mm -hmm. enough fruits and vegetables. And I work with vegans and I still see that there are people who are not getting enough fruits and vegetables. Um, my clients, my, all my clients, we have a monthly challenge that everybody does. And last month it was eat the rainbow. You got to eat 
three colors in produce every day to qualify to win that month's challenge. And I would say like 50% of them didn't like meet the criteria to, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And those are vegan fitness minded, some athletic, uh, people. What are they eating? uh, Um, things like sandwiches, uh, mm. with like a slice of lettuce and tomato, you know, and I'm like, that's, I mean, yes, that's a vegetable, but that's not going to cut it. <laughs> um, oatmeal, uh, mm. just, 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 just not enough. It's just not enough. Uh, More processed grains. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I think that if you are covering all of your big bases, then you can have fun food in your Mm. diet, but you can't do that in place of covering your big (laughs) bases. So uh, if someone's goal is weight loss, I say, you know, make the base of at least lunch and dinner vegetables. Mm. Like that is the base of the meal you build on top of that because they're so filling. Mm. They're so fiber rich. They're so nutrient dense um, that they're going to fill you up for fewer calories. And then on top of that, I do like to include some kind of plant-based protein and complex carbohydrate in there. Mm. And then usually like trace fats throughout the day add up, but, Mm. you know, occasionally adding a more overt fat, like a peanut butter or an avocado or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I believe in like pretty well-rounded meals, um, Mm. not cutting out any one of the macronutrients, um, but just watching the overall portion control throughout Mm. the day. So one of the things we really work on with with, uh, people who want to lose weight is paying attention to your hunger and fullness very consistently. Like we'll journal it. I'll have people write it down before and after every meal. If this is something they really struggle with, with, Mm. you know, zero being so hungry, you feel like you're going to faint and Mm. 10 being so full, you feel like you might be sick. Mm. Um, You know, we try to keep people starting to eat a meal between like a three and a four and eating until they're like, between a seven or maybe an eight, depending on the person, because Mm -hmm. some people never let themselves feel hungry. And some people are only comfortable eating to a really high fullness level. So they'll start Mm -hmm. eating when they feel like nothing, like they feel five, they're not hungry Mm -hmm. or full, but their brain says, okay, that's time to start eating. Mm -hmm. So we kind of work on noticing that and trying to like recalibrate it a little bit so that people can learn No, I can feel, I can feel hungry for like 40 minutes before lunch. Like lunch is coming. I trust lunch is coming and (laughs) we can wait that out. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sounds simple, but it's a, you know, we, we teach ourselves these things over a lifetime and it can be really hard to unlearn those habits. Yeah. Especially if you've been told, you know, finish your plate, starving Mm -hmm. children in Africa, the whole situation there. Um, But yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I have patients who, you know, well, of course, then comes the mental aspect of it, which I know you you speak to the mindset as well as when they're anxious, bored, tired, uh, looking for something to do, mm-hmm. you know, they're, especially at home, people just walk to their fridges, like literally here is like, <laughs> what am I doing standing here? That mindfulness aspect, where do you begin helping people understand that into it? Because honestly, I don't know if people don't even understand what hunger feels like. Sometimes we, I deliberately will like, kind of work with them to be like, okay, we're going to get hungry before this next meal. Okay. And, you know, I'll, you know, I sit, I'm saying it in quotes because I'm not actually there with them, but I'm, I'm there with them. I'm in their pocket. I'm in their phone. Um, (laughs) 
with them while they kind of let themselves feel hunger, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we kind of set a timer like, okay, we're going to feel hungry for 20 minutes and you're going to see you're not going to die. Food is right there uh, and it's coming and we're going to be okay. And then people start to learn to trust like, oh, it's okay to be hungry sometimes. You know, there's obviously a flip side to this where some people will never let themselves feel full and they are uncomfortable if they're not hungry. And that's a whole, whole different set of issues, obviously. But when we're talking about people whose goal it is to lose weight, this is, this is really common. So another thing with mindfulness is I have them eat without their devices in front of them. (laughs) So no phones, no TVs, no computers. You're going to sit at a table and you're going to eat your food and like try to eat it slowly. And it's like, and I remember when I had to do this for the first time, because, you know, even I've gone through this myself. I didn't become 210 pounds by not, by being (laughs) mindful, you know? Um, And the first time you sit and have a meal like completely focused on that meal, it can feel like torture Mm -hmm. (laughs) from beginning to end. Um, And that in and of itself should kind of raise a red flag for you. Like, wow, why why is sitting here and eating this meal and focusing on it so hard to not Mm -hmm. be distracted by other things? So we work on that too, so that they can learn to be more mindful when they're eating. Because when you're not paying attention and you're you know, watching YouTube on your phone, you're not going to get as satisfied by your food. You might Mm -hmm. accidentally overeat because you weren't really paying attention. You might get to the end of your meal and be like, wow, I didn't even appreciate any of that. You know, I should go have some more and this time I'll appreciate it. Um, And none of that helps people get where they want to go. Are you familiar with John Kabat-Zinn? No, I'm not. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So he's kind of the the guru of mindfulness. And um, I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Judd Brewer. He's a plant-based addiction psychiatrist in Rhode Island. And he wrote um, Unwinding Anxiety and the Craving Mind. And I've interviewed him several times, but um, what's interesting is John Kabat-Zinn, he has this raisin experiment and it basically- I've heard of this. I've never heard of him, but I've heard of this. (laughs) That's that's the guy that invented it. And so it's really cool to do with people, you know, have them have the raisin, just look at it and they're, you know, they're starting to sell it, the smell. It's really fun because I've done that with groups of people and it's been really fun. They're like, what am I doing? Sometimes if you don't tell them, don't eat it, they're like- I'm like, Uh that's the whole point. (laughs) This is a good example of what not to do. Um, And it was a really good book. He has a book. Oh, I have so many books. It's in one of these (laughs) shelves. I'll have to send it to you. But um, he has some really good stuff. And um, and, in Jed Brewer too, Dr. Jed Brewer, he he does a ton of stuff with uh, mindfulness and eating. And I think you'd really might dig into it. It's really good stuff. The other thing I have patients do is go to the opposite hands. So if they're right-handed, eat with the left. Mm And that really helps. Um, but that's yeah. a great idea. I'm going to steal that oh, idea yeah. 100%. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Let me tell you, there's nothing like trying to eat. You're going to be focusing in on that. And then the other thing I tell them is, you know, think about the journey of your food. It's a very different journey to see an animal protein or animal product on your plate versus this beautiful plate of vegetables and fruits. And so that really, I think, resonates with people. But you're exactly right. They inhale our food. I'm guilty of it, just like everyone yeah. else. <laughs> on the phone, on the computer, you name it, I've done it. Uh, driving. Um, I've done all it all things. too. But I think <laughs> that you know the goal isn't to never be distracted when you're eating, right? Because that's just mm. not realistic. It's going to happen. 
but you know, the more practice you have of bringing your focus back to the food and what you're doing and how you're feeling, like, am I starting to feel full? It'll start to happen instinctually. It'll just happen Mm -hmm. without you even noticing it eventually, which is kind of funny Mm -hmm. because it's about mindfulness, but you know, that is kind of the ultimate goal. Because the people, you know, I, I meet these people sometimes, these so-called normal eaters, that's what I call them. <laughs> um, people who don't seem to have, you know, issues with food, mm-hmm. which I actually think is a very small percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I meet them, they don't think about this. They don't think about how hungry or full they are. They just know whatever mm-hmm. habits it was they did in their life got them to a place in adulthood where they just know when they've had enough or mm-hmm. they trust themselves to have a cookie and not the whole sleeve of cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're fascinating creatures to watch and learn from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. No, I, I will tell you. So I have, I have my husband, God bless his soul, but I have three kids and they're all in their twenties and one's a physician and my boys and my daughter's in Boston. None of them have issues with food. And it was interesting because when I was growing up, it was always, I never had a weight issue or anything, but it was always like, finish everything on your plate. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a lot of money either, but my mom was so cheap. We grew our own food. We bought the dried beans. (laughs) We bought whatever was on sale and totally she's like, I'm not buying this box cereal because I can feed you <laughs> way more with this, you know, oatmeal. Like, grits and oatmeal <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> you name it. We had hot cereal every morning. Totally mm-hmm. get it. And what was interesting is like, when I raise my kids, I'm not going to force them to eat everything on their face. It just annoyed me so much because I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. Yeah. Not that we had, we did, but we didn't eat a lot of the meat either. Cause it was so expensive. I was lucky. <clears throat> Boy, mm-hmm. I had my fill of beans, but which is good. But the kids, I feel like that really helped in that sense is they're like, I'm not hungry. You know, I can offer them some delicious stuff that I've made that is probably way more calories than they should be. And they're like, I'm not hungry. I'm like, really? It smells yeah, so good. But that's, that's great. You, <laughs> it you is. did something right. You know, I, uh, I think it starts in kids because they're intuitively, so. they already know when they're hungry. Parents freak out when their two-year-old says, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. And they force him to eat. I was like, listen, let your two-year-old be hungry because the next morning he'll eat his breakfast. I promise. Yeah. We're actually experiencing this right now. So my sister's two kids, I mentioned, um, they are two and almost five now, but we had custody of them for a while. We we take them every other week. So we're not parents, but it's like your parents. a parental role sometimes. Yes. Yes. Um, and I've all, I'm learning so much about the way we <laughs> learn to eat by watching them and how yes. they interact with food and how yes. exactly what you just said. Sometimes the little guy, the two-year-old, he won't eat. And instinctively I'm like, oh, I wish he would eat this meal or he'll ask okay. me, this is the worst. He'll be like, can we make this? And I'm like, yeah. And I'll make it. And then he'll be like, I don't want it. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, just like you, I don't want to mm-hmm. be like, okay, clean your plate. I'm not going to bribe them to eat, mm-hmm. um, which is, mm-hmm. I've seen. Oh, hundred um, percent of the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots, so lots. I, I agree with you. And I, I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole that I could definitely, <laughs> I'm very interested in. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Well, God bless you for taking on the kiddos because I'll tell you they're, 
learning these healthy habits now will have such a tremendous impact on their, your lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've only been plant-based for about a decade, 10 years. So they were all teenagers when my kids went over, they were wow. 13, 15 and 18. So Emily went off to college and my boys, they got stuck with me, but they did great. I mean, they were athletic. They were doing baseball, basketball, cross country, you name it. Um, Jonathan's both, both my boys love lifting weights, but especially Jonathan, but, um, but yeah, they just, but my husband, on the other hand, this is really interesting. So he grew up in, <laughs> we talk about all the time, he's used to it. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's all good. Um, when he was a kid, he's Filipino. So my husband is an inch shorter than me. He's five, six, but his family, you know, came from the Philippines. So they would buy food and they would, you know, they did push that, but Pat has a quite, a t- he has a palate for processed foods mm-hmm. and he got up to, he's five, six when we got married. He was, we were, I was a teenager. I was like 19 when we started dating, we were married young, 22. And he was thin. we were active duty military. And within, oh my gosh. So 10 years ago, he had gained probably 70, 80 pounds. Wow. And he's only five, six. I had stayed mm-hmm. the same. I, Cause I just kind of eat when I'm hungry. You mm-hmm. know, there'll be things that I wait, like, you know, those little, mm, those little Thin mint chocolate cookies because they're mm. delicious. The, those, those, I will, those I have issues. <laughs> but Patrick would eat all sorts of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it didn't really occur to me, even as a physician, what was going on. But when we went plant-based, he lost 50 pounds mm-hmm. in like three months, went on to lose more weight and has maintained a healthier weight now. But, you know, it's funny though, we can't have stuff in the house. Like I can't allow him to go to the grocery store. He'll bring home mm-hmm. the vegan ice cream, <laughs> the vegan cookies. Mm-hmm. Sourdough bread is gone in a day. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. But what do you do with those folks? So like you have, be, like literally I have to ban my husband from the grocery store. If they don't have a break in their system or in their, in their life, how do you help people when they go out to eat or they're traveling? What do you tell them to do? <laughs> yeah, so this, is, this can be one, something that we work on a lot, actually, mm-hmm. um, especially when you feel like you have trigger foods, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like I don't like to categorize foods into good and bad because I, I just don't, I think that sets people up to, to have a bad relationship with food. So I can say there might be a better or worse choice for your current goals, but I, mm. I don't like people to just be like, oh, that food is bad. Mm. You know, even if we can say like intellectually, that is not a particularly healthy food. Once mm. we start thinking of it as bad, then when we eat it, we are bad. And I say um, real and fake, fake food, real yeah. food. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, so I had a, if someone feels like a good example, this is huge in the bodybuilding world. I don't know if it is outside of it. Peanut butter, like even mm. right plant, natural peanut butter is a huge trigger food for people in the bodybuilding community. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, I meet so many people that they can't have it in their house. That's what they say. I can't have it in my house. And I'm like, we're going to get to a place where you can have this in your house. Like mm-hmm. I understand right now you don't trust yourself to have it in the house, mm-hmm. but we're going to work towards you being able to trust yourself around this because I don't mm-hmm. ever want my clients to feel like food or a particular food has some special power over them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will start to incorporate that food into like one meal a week. Um, and sometimes it'll be like, okay, now give the rest of the jar to your husband and tell him to hide somewhere for the rest <laughs> of the week. Um, and you know, it's just a step into getting to something that's mm-hmm. a little bit more sane and normal. Um, mm-hmm. but that's one thing that I do. If someone feels like, like a, a particular food has control over them and we don't mm-hmm. do that right out of the gate. Cause that can be mm-hmm. 
a lot right out of the gate (laughs) or like you know we'll just do like one food at a time because some people Mm -hmm. have lots of trigger foods I had somebody just today say like I can't have chips in the house because if I have a couple chips I'll have a lot of chips Mm -hmm. I'm like well you know obviously I don't want anybody eating a lot of chips Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I also don't want somebody to be so freaked out by the sight of chips Mm -hmm. that they feel powerless because someday even if you never bring them in your house you got to go to an office party and there's going to be a bowl of chips and mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So we work towards those types of situations, but it's kind of like, it's a slow, it's a slow going process for some people. Mm-hmm. And that, that's okay because I think mm-hmm. the end result is worth it. <laughs> no, I think you're right. So I think you're going to really like Judd Brewer's stuff. So he talks a lot about this mindfulness and writing out cravings. So, you know, you talk about the trigger or the prompt food, the behavior, consuming it, then you get the dopamine. Cause a lot of these foods are engineered to. Yes. Not just they're like one. crack. They're like <laughs> crack in your brain. <laughs> they're, they're crack. All right. For yeah. sure. And, uh, but what's interesting is I interviewed Dotsie Bosch, which I'm, I know, you know, mm-hmm. Dotsie and, um, I was always interested. I'm, I think it's fabulous. She won the silver medal, oldest cycler. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, how did you become, how did you overcome your eating disorder and your cocaine addiction? Honestly, mm-hmm. that is way more interesting to me. And it was really interesting. Have you ever heard her story of how that happened? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We, we've, we've talked about it in a like events we've I've heard about yes. it in, in events we've both been at mm-hmm. the blue dots right because when she told it to me I hadn't heard it and she just mentioned very quickly for those who are new to that story is that basically she said oh I just found a therapist that would let me do what I want I was like I don't get it <laughs> so she's, like, she's like all right let me slow it down for mm-hmm. you let, let's do it piece by piece she was mm-hmm. basically she got these blue dots put them on things that triggered her behaviors of you know the toilet or the refrigerator because she was you know bulimic mm-hmm. And she said, she made me wait, uh, you know, a moment, you do that time of separation. And then I would decide if I wanted to do it or not. And over the course of a few months, I did everything I wanted, but then I just got to the point that I just didn't. I just, the desire, the reward in Mm -hmm. that habit was actually dismantled. And I was like, that is, that is exactly what mindfulness is. You're dismantling Mm -hmm. the reward, which breaks the, the habit in that feeling of like, you don't have control, that craving, that monster of like, eh, you know, eat this, yeah. but fascinating. So yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. She, she is a, she is an amazing human for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I do, yeah. I do like that story a lot. And I am very, yeah. I wrote down John Cabot Zen and John Dr. Zen. Judd Brewer. Dr. Judd Brewer. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, yes. I wrote them down. So I'll check He's, that out. They have some good apps too. Um, Judd has some very good apps and, uh, but he's, it's really neat too, because he also talks to, you know, food and anxiety. He talks a lot about breaking the habit of anxiety because honestly, mm-hmm. just being an overcautious mother, I have issues myself. I will admit, <laughs> you know, constantly worrying, especially as they're adults and you don't have control over everybody anymore. Um, but you worry, like worrying is an activity. So it's almost mm-hmm. like the reward in and of itself. Yeah. Is, and is I, we the, do see this that, in the fitness community. This is oh, huge in the really? fitness community where yes that I'm sure you've heard the term orthorexia uh-huh. before oh so, yes yeah so or you know and I I definitely had this shortly after I lost weight I didn't realize it at the time um, but it's when you become so obsessed with eating mm. healthy and quote-unquote clean all the time 
that it is, it's interfering with your life and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're avoiding things because there might be something there that doesn't quite fit what in your mind is like the approved list of foods to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the fitness community, it it, it almost breeds this, it breeds Mm -hmm. this idea of obsession about Mm -hmm. every little thing that you eat. So this is probably kind of in line with what you were just talking about, the anxiety around Mm -hmm. food. Some people it's like, oh my God, I have to go to this restaurant for a birthday. Mm-hmm. And they're freaking out because they're going to have to eat something that they mm-hmm. don't totally 100% with 100% accuracy know what's in it. And that is mm-hmm. killing them. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people are like, well, how could being obsessed with being healthy be a bad thing? And mm-hmm. I, I get where people are coming from, but it absolutely can like wreak havoc in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it so many times. So working on kind of loosening that death grip on, mm-hmm. you know, every situation involving food, mm-hmm. big, big hurdles. So I'm mm-hmm. like super psyched to check these guys out here. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is my jam. <laughs> oh, no, I, I figured that's why I brought it up that it's almost, it's, um, well, you know, I'm, I, I come from it also from like, I have diabetics, hypertensive mm-hmm. people with high cholesterol, yeah. um, lots, you know, uh, autoimmune disease. So sometimes we need them to be a little bit more mindful and a little bit more strict, um, about certain foods. But like you said mm-hmm. there, I call it what I call this the guru syndrome is mm-hmm. literally they're like, I've listened to Dr. McDougall. I listened yes. to Dr. Greger. I listened to this. I listened to that. And I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. first of all, you're going to stop with this. I actually had, uh, <laughs> someone saw me on AJ's show and mm-hmm. I had mentioned, I was like, listen, this is called guru syndrome. She goes, she wrote in just because they fill out this form before I see mm-hmm. them on plant-based health, which is, which is, um, that's a, there's something we launched. We launched, it's a national plant-based, um, medicine. I, we started this two years ago and my business partner, Anthony, who lost 160 pounds on a plant-based diet. Wow. And um, we have nine docs now. We're all plant-based. We're doing lifestyle medicine, dietal medicine. Anyway, one of them wrote, and she's like, Dr. Marvis, I have guru syndrome. <laughs> cracking me up. She was, saw your chef, AJ, say that. I was like, mm-hmm. it is so detrimental. You're exactly yeah. right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's and you're also right. Because that's what people they say. I listened to uh, Dr. Dr. Campbell, Dr. Mm. Campbell says this, and I'm like, listen, Mm. Dr. Campbell is amazing. Yep. We, we love him. He's also primarily talking to heart patients and you are not a heart patient. And (laughs) you know, if you keep doing what you're doing, you are probably not going to become a heart patient. So Mm. I think a lot of times with these big doctors who have just I never want to discredit them. They have done so, so many good things. 100% amazing. But sometimes their message is for a specific demographic of a particular type of illness. And then you Mm -hmm. have perfectly healthy people cutting Mm -hmm. otherwise kind of healthy foods out of their diet that they didn't need to. Yeah. The fats are the big one for me that mm-hmm. everyone they're like, I don't eat any nuts. I, um, right. and I'm fine without the oil. I mean, it's, it's yeah. sneaky. It's very liquid. I get that. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not a fan of the oil, but the nuts and the avocados and the seeds, those are healthy foods and you need them. Yeah. And you totally I, need them. I was like, <laughs> but it's, it is a phobia I have. And it's been interesting since we've been Um, since we launched the practice, we've had thousands of patients. I mean, it's been really cool to see the growth, but what's been interesting is now you're starting to see trends because I've never been in a practice where majority of my patients, 99% are Mm plant-based. And then we have, 
there's a very strong subset of patients who have this orthorexia. I would totally mm-hmm. agree with you. They're too thin. They're not yeah. eating enough food and they're fatigued and they can't figure it out. I was like, cause you need to eat more food. And many, think- many of the women mm. have lost their menstrual yes. cycles because yes. they're too lean yep. and they're not eating enough calories and fat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Absolutely. So I do think this is, this is, so if, if it was a Venn diagram of vegans and the fitness <laughs> community, like, you know, there's a huge, there's a huge prevalence of this and honest mm-hmm. to God, I've done hundreds of podcasts and you are the first person that I have ever heard say this on a podcast. So the fact that you are a physician <laughs> makes me feel so validated right now. <laughs> oh, you're validated, my friend. <laughs> I have seen thousands of patients and I will tell you, there's some very strong trends and it's, it's like, oh my gosh. And just as a woman too, I was like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. your life is complicated enough. Um, mm-hmm. it's- yes. <laughs> you need fats in your body to synthesize the hormones that you need to to live Um, yeah oh Mm -hmm. I mean honestly when 10 years ago when I how I went to plant-based it was through a patient and it was a really cool but at Esselstyn Campbell were my first kind of ends to the plant-based diet you know in 2012 Mm -hmm. and I was trying to figure out one how to do my family, but also bring this into my practice. Cause I was super excited about where the potential would be for diabetes and all those things. Yeah. So I went super low fat. I cut all of my nuts. I cut it and I was eating pretty, pretty, pretty healthy already, but I was like, except for my husband, he would sneak all that Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on his way home, driving through the drive-thrus. That, that's all another story. But, um, he, we actually, you know, we cut out all of that stuff and I actually got kind of depressed and I am not a depressed person. Yeah. <laughs> so like what is going on? I was like, I'm going to have to start adding in more healthy fats. And as soon as I did that, I was fine. And yeah. I, it was really an interesting transition. And I, I, that mental note stuck with me and it's, it's, a constant reminder for patients, but it is, but the thing is, even if you tell them, even if I'm their physician, staring at them mm-hmm. saying, you're doing this, this is your numbers, you're doing great. They still, even though they've heard like the gurus say it, they're mm-hmm. like, I just can't get over the fact that they said not to do that. I was like, I'm this close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so hard because, you know, if oh. you're talking to, if you're talking to people with like advanced heart disease, The risk and reward of cutting out fat at that point, well, of course, possibly getting depressed and having your hormones be a little weird is a way better outcome than a sudden death heart attack. Well, that, and I think honestly, (laughs) there's actually room for nuts and there is no study showing that nuts are causing heart disease. And don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. I know Dr. Justin, he's a dear friend. I know Mm -hmm. all these guys personally, but there is no there's just no evidence that they have to cut out nuts. And, um, that is, you know, yes, many of them need to lose weight, but yeah, nuts can be very heart healthy. And so I just, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I understand. That's a story of my life right there. Every single one of my clients is like, I should, you should be billing my insurance right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but oh yeah, gosh. no, I think that it's amazing as the vegan community, as the plant-based community has grown and grown and grown. And it's like mm. growing at an exponential rate. It's like once yeah. upon a time, it felt like we all kind of had come to a consensus about most things. And mm. now the beauty, the double-edged sword of this is that now there's, there's more ideas coming out. There's more theories coming out. Mm. Um, it's not just like, okay, this is the vegan way to do it. 
-hmm. It's like, there's a, there's so many different ways to be vegan. And I don't think we need to be vilifying something that's different than what we're doing necessarily. No, I I always, I have, I tell people who listen, there's a very simple message. First of all, number one, eat plants. Every Mm -hmm. single human body on this earth needs to eat plants. Okay. Mm -hmm. We don't need animals. Mm -hmm. We'll be fine. Number two, Yes, if you're ill, we may be tweaking that those plants, but for mm-hmm. the most part, fruit specials, beans, whole grains, nuts and seeds, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's as simple as that, but it's just yeah. really kooky. And they get hung up on that one little 1% that's mm-hmm. different across the board. Yeah. Um, so if anything, I hope the audience listens to this and goes, <laughs> Okay, eat my plants and we're good. Yeah. Yep, that's that's the most important thing. Eat eat plants, mm. eat a variety of them. Like you're, that's that's the that's, name of the game there. Absolutely. But this which kind of gets us back to so we focus on so you have the extreme of people who are being super restrictive, too obsessive about the healthy diet. And then mm-hmm. you have those who are trying to eat healthier. Yes, but let's say you have someone and they've lost weight and then suddenly they've stalled. What mm-hmm. do you have them do for that? And they still may have, you know, 50, 60 to hundred pounds to lose. So, you know, it's yeah. not a matter of them hitting their ideal weight. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a, it's a matter of like a mental fatigue. Like they're just so mm-hmm. sick of kind of dieting, like whether they are thinking of it as dieting or not, if you've lost 50 or 60 pounds, you were obviously eating in a caloric deficit. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you've been dieting. So sometimes right. we'll just like, you know, let's say they've been, they've been losing this weight over four months or five months or something. And they're just like, man, this just, I'm doing the same thing. It's just, it's not happening for me right now. Sometimes we'll take a definitive break for like a Mm. month where we just try to eat at maintenance. We try to just, we want where you're at right now. Let's make this your new normal for a little bit. Mm. So your body can become accustomed to being this size. Um, And there's some research to suggest at least on the muscle building size side Mm. of things, like once you build a certain amount of muscle, you have to maintain it for a certain period of time for your body to sort of prioritize keeping it. Um, like if you gain 10 pounds and then immediately diet, you might just lose muscle. You just built very quickly. So there's, there's some benefits to kind of having maintenance phases all along the way. Um, and sometimes they're like refreshed and they feel a little bit better. And then we can kind of start to dig a little bit again for Mm -hmm. that, that final push. Um, and a lot of times it comes to like, okay, maybe now we need to be a little bit more nitpicky about what it is that we're doing. Let me take a look at your food journals. Let me see if anything jumps out at me as an easy thing to change that could kind of nudge us in that direction. How many steps are you getting in per day? Sometimes Mm -hmm. just walking more is like Mm -hmm. the magic thing to keep things Mm -hmm. going. Uh, Sometimes they have an unrealistic idea of what their body weight should be. (laughs) So that's a big one also. Um, they think they're going to go back to their high school weight and like, you don't have a high schooler's body anymore. Like, why would you want to be your high school weight? That would, first of all, that would look terrible. Probably wouldn't be very healthy. Um, but you know, once you have your mind set on a number, like it's Mm kind of hard to break out of that. So that is, that's a conversation. (laughs) Yes. Do you use other methods like tape measures or just how your clothes are feeling or do you use other help? to help people gauge their, their progress? Mm-hmm. I use progress photos. We use tape measure, like circumference measurements of, of several places on the body. Um, sometimes I'll use a really kind of rough calculation of body fat, which, you know, we say, Hey, this number is not actually an accurate number, but if mm-hmm. I keep tracking it, I can at least see which direction it's going. Right. Um, but some, think- cli- some, some people aren't comfortable with any of that. 
They don't want to mm. do pictures. They can't stomach the thought of taking pictures or, or measuring or standing on a scale is a big one. So sometimes mm -hmm. we just pick one method that they are comfortable with and we'll just, okay. we'll just stick with that. So it's not like traumatizing every time we check their progress. Yeah, no, you know, because I'm not seeing people in person anymore. I'm just doing telemedicine. It's really funny because I will have people who need to lose hundred pounds and we're focusing, mm -hmm. they're moving to the plant-based diet and they will, they was like, I can't get on the scale. I was like, listen, I need you to at least get on the scale one time before mm -hmm. this appointment every two months. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, cause I can't go measure you. They're not going to, I like, I really, right. if you went to your doctor's office, you would be standing on the scale. You would be measuring mm -hmm. your blood pressure. You would be doing these things. But yeah, it is, the scales are really interesting. And there's some really interesting things that people have told me that they do and don't do just around, you know, not looking at themselves in the mirror or, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think the one story that always stood out to me, I ran a lifestyle medicine clinic on the other side of Colorado many years ago, but um, going plant-based, but a lady cried. She goes, I went into, she, goes, she lost 40 pounds over our 12 week uh, class. And she goes, you know, I lost 40 pounds and I went into a, a store, a department store, this horrible lights, they already make mm -hmm. you look horrible. And yes. she's like, I walked out with two dresses that I tried on and I would, didn't cry. She goes, any mm -hmm. other time I would go in and cry. She had, she was getting ready for a wedding and she goes, I felt so confident. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that's really cool. That's to see those type of things. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the reason that I love to do what I do is if, you know, it's mm -hmm. cool to make a bodybuilding champion that's cool mm -hmm. and everything, but it's really mm -hmm. cool to like actually help somebody change their life that, that kind of needed to change their life. Mm -hmm. That's the most satisfying type mm -hmm. of client that there is yeah. for me personally. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, it's, it's really fun for me as uh, stopping medications. But, oh, look, you don't have diabetes anymore. Shucks, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I can't, I can't do any of that, but I do have some clients well, who, you know, are in that position and you move in that position work with you me. Mm -hmm. and their doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it. It's, you know, I always tell people you're, you have multiple team members. So mm -hmm. in getting your family on board, getting someone to help you exercise, do right, you know, just doing things um, and getting the right people around you too. You mm -hmm. know, speaking of community, um, I know you, you talked a little bit about vegan strong in that community. Is there, you know, you guys have special things that you do. What, where can people become more involved with what you do? Yeah. So vegan strong is a, a group of vegan athletes that pre COVID, what we did was we traveled mm -hmm. to mainstream fitness events and we just had tabled. Basically we stood at tables and we talked to people about their misconceptions about a plant-based diet, help them maybe try some new plant-based foods to replace some of the ones they were having. It was super awesome. Uh, <laughs> and then COVID happened. And obviously we have not been doing that, but we have been taking this time to create a lot of online resources for free. So mm. at veganstrong.com, there's tons of articles, recipes, workouts. So there's some body weight workouts in there. I know we kind of talked about that, um, that are just like free videos that you can watch. Um, and right now for like winter, Christmas, holiday, we have our vegan strong box right now, which we did monthly boxes for a while. Um, and we've mm -hmm. taken a little break, but now we're doing the one for Christmas or holidays. And it has an awesome vegan strong mug, a cutting board and all of these different vegan snacks and foods and things like that in there. So it's just like a cute little gift box. That's all vegan. <laughs> yeah. And you could 
maybe order it for folks who are starting out to be vegan or interested in being vegan, mm -hmm. kind of give it. That's what I did them. last year. I sent them to everybody ah, last year. <laughs> that's very good. You have to yeah. think about that. Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. So Danny, this has been great. I could talk to you for a long time. I have a feeling. Yeah, this, this um, is great. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I always like, I always feel bad when I get some people. I had a guy here I go. See, I got off on these tangents. I had a gentleman from uh, Australia, but he was a stand-up comedian and he went into, started using uh, laughter as therapy. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. I, we went on talking. He's like, I only can't, I only have time for like 50 minutes. I'm like, okay. And then he kept talking. It went for like an mm -hmm. hour and a half. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to, go. I have to go now. <laughs> so yeah. Giacomo really is funny. probably, he's like, what, what's going on? I'm sure he's somewhere like, <laughs> um, yes that's next he's next but thank mm -hmm. you so much this guys um please check out danny's work she's um you'll see all the links i make john my son my son does this he's like mom you gotta up your game on your editing i'm like well um guess who can do it for me then mm -hmm. he's a he graduated marketing and one's a gut the other one's a film guy so i'm like listen I, awesome I, <laughs> I bird you. You guys can help me out here. Mm -hmm. um, but veganproteins.com, plantbuilt.com, and of course the veganstrong.com. And so, yep. and uh, that's awesome. And I, you know, Robert, I it, we had a great conversation with him too. And he just lives up the road. I just need to go see yeah. him. He's like 45 minutes away. So thanks for watching. And I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button. So you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms, such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out HealthyHumanRevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.